Are you a mum looking for some parenting inspiration, tips and advice, stories on the ups and downs we face in our lives as parents, some humour and a little bit of fun? Then you may have just found what you're looking for. Hi and welcome to the Parenting in the Thick of It show. I'm your host Louise Clark, a certified parent coach known to many as your parenting partner. As a mum to three teenagers, you can bet I've probably been there, done that and heard it all. Trust me, there'll be few things that I haven't experienced firsthand. I created this podcast because I just love to help mums like you find ways to navigate life in the thick of it and find a way out of it. Episode 500, Full Disclosure, Louise Clark Behind the Scenes. Today, to celebrate this 500th episode on the podcast, I thought it would be fun to turn it around because usually I'm doing a lot of talking and usually if I do interviews, I'm interviewing someone else. But today I thought I would give you the opportunity to hear me being interviewed. So I picked none other than the wonderful Tannis Frame, who is a dear friend of mine, and she is a coach herself. And her um, coaching group is called Luminous Leadership. You can look her up online at Tannis Frame, Luminous Leadership. And she is an amazing woman, everyone. I am preparing myself to be asked many very intriguing questions because she ignites curiosity and and inspires growth and learning. Like, I'm going to say, Tannis, no one I've ever met. So, Tannis, welcome to the show. And I'm going to leave it to you. Oh, that's wonderful, Louise. Thank you for that. That's a beautiful introduction. And I'm so honored to have been chosen for your expose episode. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I'm excited to dive in. I'm curious about um, what I'm going to learn about you as well. I expect a lot. Uh, Your community, uh, when they heard about this episode coming, shared a whole bunch of really wonderful questions. Uh, so I'm going to try and cover as much ground as we can um, with a bit of, you know, fun speed questions and also just some juicy questions about who you are. And juicy, I actually, that's that's yeah. you. You ask juicy questions. So <laughs> fire away. <laughs> this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And let me just say that I love that you're doing this because I think it's actually really important for us to you know, when we're seeking advice and guidance um, from people, and particularly in such um, a critical and tender part of our lives and our parenting, that we know who we're getting this wisdom from. So I love that you're doing this. I love that you're doing this. All right, here we go. Let's dive in. Um, so I thought it would be really fun. Are you up for this, Louise? Are you warmed up? Well, I'm up for anything. I thought we would do a mixture of um, just some speed rounds to kind of really hit on a whole bunch of fun topics. So I thought we would start with a speed round. So I'm just going to fire questions at you, Louise, um, and you just answer as quick as you can. Okay. So the first round here that we're going to dive into is Louise Clark by the numbers. Okay. So all your answers are going to be numbers, Louise. So here we go number of questions you have or number of questions number of children you have three three and how old are they what are their ages they are I had three teenagers I now only have two teenagers because one turned 20 last week and I have a 20 year old boy 18 year old girl 15 year old boy oh my goodness so you've been through the whole journey you've been through the whole journey that's amazing okay 
siblings. How many siblings do you have? I have three siblings. I have three sisters, one sister older and identical twins that are younger than me. Oh my goodness. I don't know if I knew that about you. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. While we're on the family, how about parents? How many parents do you have? I have two parents, my mom and my dad, who are both still alive. My mom is 80 and my dad is 83 and they're in Scotland. Fantastic. Oh, I guess you're not getting to see them much these days, hey? Nope. No, I don't. Sadly, I don't. I haven't seen oh. them for too long. Yeah, tough times, tough times. Do you think that they've, uh, I was like, I can't help but ask other questions going the speed round. I was like, no, I want to know more. I want to know more. How do you, how do you find, I just want to do a quick, quick little tangent. Um, you know, your parents raised all of you together. How do you think that's influenced you and your parenting? Oh, I think our, the way in which we were parented influences our parenting in ways we could not imagine and often ways we don't even care to think about and when you do think about it you can see these generational patterns and you know conditioning and belief systems entering our own worlds and looking back you can see where they come from if you're open enough to looking yeah 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 on uh, both the the things that we love about our parenting I bet and the things that we cringe yeah how many do we have those moments of like oh I can't believe that's coming out of my mouth that patterning um but also a lot of gratitude I don't think I appreciated um my parents until I became a parent um in so many different ways yeah absolutely what do you appreciate most about your parents I appreciate that they never they never controlled me they never parented to their agenda. As in, you know, if we had to pick, I'm just thinking, you know, picking subjects at school, uh, picking things we wanted to do, we picked and we did it. You know, it wasn't like um, you should do this, you should do that. So they were very open that way and not controlling yeah. and didn't come with their agenda. Albeit there was an agenda in a different way, as in kids were definitely, you know, seen and not heard. So it was their way or the highway for certain things, but for the things where I had, I'm sorry about that noise. I asked my kids upstairs to be particularly quiet while I was recording. <laughs> and it sounds like there's an elephant up there, but anyway, uh, but they never over controlled us when it came to choices about things that we, that would have put us on our path, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, what a gift. What a gift. Yeah. Okay. I've gotten off to Louise Clark by the numbers. So much for the speed round. Okay. Let's get back to the numbers. Um, you are married. Yes, Louise. Yes. How many years? 27. Wow. We got some big numbers coming out today. 500 yeah. episode, 27 years married. Yeah. And ask me how long I've known my husband. How long? How many years? Uh, oh, here I'm having to think. Uh, 45. No, sorry. Yes. 45. No. So how old were you when you met? Eight. I should, Eight. I, I should have known him for 48 because I'm 56 now. And so we, I've known, yes, 48 years. We lived next door. No way. That is we fantastic. Did. We were in the same grade at school. Our birthdays are four days apart. We're both 65 babies. And yeah, we were in the same class at school and we were next door neighbors. And when did it turn from neighbors to romance? Not till we were 26. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I love it. I was like, oh, we, there are so many dives, like deep dives down rabbit holes we could go right now. Oh yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. Back to the numbers, back to numbers. I love this. How many, you know, it doesn't take, um, any listener would recognize that you were not born and bred in Canada. So tell us how many countries have you lived in? Uh, I've lived in the UK, Zimbabwe, South Africa, and Canada. And in the UK I've lived in, I lived in London for seven years, lived in Scotland for 15. I left when I was 15, returned when I was 26 for a couple of years before coming to Canada. So I guess it's four, four countries. Wow. Wow. And what brought you across the pond? Five countries, actually. My husband got offered a job here, just out the blue, random phone call from a friend that he'd lost touch with who had landed in Vancouver. And he said, there's a job in the department for you if you want it. And we were like, Vancouver, that's, that's close to Whistler. Oh, yeah, you bet we're going. <laughs> oh, Brenda, I love how we end up. I love our paths of where we go and where we've ended up. Well, I'm glad you ended up here in Whistler, Louise. Uh, okay, more speaking of skiing then, since you, is that what drew you to Whistler? Is it skiing then? Oh yeah, skiing, yeah. the mountains, the outdoor life, the fresh air, the scenery, the people, everything. I just, the west coast of Canada is just the most beautiful place. Yeah, and Scotland's is. beautiful too, but this is, oh, this is something else, yeah. yeah it's pretty magical. Yeah, I've been here for five and a half years now and still on the daily get the jaw dropping at what we get to live in here for sure. I started crying the other day Tanis. I drove around Green Lake I was going skiing I was going to meet friends and the sun was shining and the mountain was there and I looked across the, the lake which is frozen and I looked up at the mountain and I actually a tear rolled down my face because I just thought I am I was so overawed by the magnificence of of this world this where we live yeah mm, mm, beautiful right on yeah it is a special place and I love that you kind of pause right to be in wonder mm -hmm. of it to be in mm -hmm. wonder of it okay so back to the numbers ski days let's go with ski days how many ski days how many times do you ski in an average winter I'm at 38 days now and we've still got another good month so I would say I ski between I want to say an average of 40 days, 40 to 50 days a year. Nice work. Right on. Okay. How many cups of coffee a day? None. Oh, <laughs> okay. What's your hot drink of choice then? Tea. Tea. Shocking. <laughs> tea drinker. Yep. I love my tea. I never, what's your favorite I, tea? Buckingham Palace. It's a black tea that I can get to blend at Granville Island in Vancouver at the, at the Granville Island Tea Company. It's called Buckingham Palace and it's a blend that I just love. It's a black tea with just a hint of something else. It's, it's stunning. Yes. Oh, I'm going to have to get me some. If the queen drinks it, I'm good to drink it too. <laughs> I love it. Well, what do they say about conversation over cups of tea? Right. You change the world in conversations over cups of tea. And I love that. You know, I think a lot about, um, especially like women who serve, right. And care for lots of others, uh, thinking about what our nourishing habits are. And it sounds like enjoying a really good cup of tea. sounds like it might be one of yours. It is. Oh yeah. I don't drink much of it because the caffeine kills me, but I, if I provide I've eaten enough and it's in the morning, not first thing, but mid morning. In fact, my tea was this earlier but just before this um recording oh i enjoy every sip of it and that's it for the day just one. Oh, interesting 
And I just love, I mean, I'm sure everyone can feel it through um, your voice and energy, but in my experience of you, you are a very high energy woman um, and zero caffeine or very little caffeine. That's impressive. So it comes from something else. What do you think gives you your energy? Nature. Mm. Nature and people and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm very, very content and it energizes me. I, I, yeah, I enjoy conversations. I enjoy being alone. I enjoy being out in nature. Um, yeah, nature, nature's it. I love it. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Uh, how many hours of sleep do you get a night? Eight. Eight. Eight hours every night. Every nice night. work. Well, Min that's going to be another minimum. key piece, right? Of that vitality. Way to go. Minimum. Ten till six every night. Ten till six. I also love hearing when people get their sleep. That's awesome. <laughs> We're yeah. getting to know all about a day in the life of Louise Clark. This oh, is yeah. awesome. So tell us now, let's shift career a little bit. Because um, I know you've had some different careers and worked in different industries. How many industries have you worked in? If you include waitressing at university as one, uh, <laughs> yeah. entertainment. Was that um, your first job? Yeah. Actually, no. Working in my aunt's fruit and vegetable store was my first job. Ah. I'd forgotten about that one. Uh, waitressing, uh, a physiotherapist, sports physio, sports and spines physio for years, like 15 years. I had two private practices in Edinburgh. Um, and the, uh, working as a clinical Pilates uh, rehab trainer. And when I came to Canada, I wasn't qualified to work here um, because you have to requalify. And having had three kids under the age of four, I was not going back to university for a year to study what I had studied and what I'd specialized in. Um, so I was also, when I worked as a physio, uh, clinical Pilates was a big uh, kind of sideshow of mine. So when I came here, I worked uh, as a clinical Pilates kind of rehab person. So the physios would send me their, their patients. Oh, neat. And then um, parent coach. Parent so, coach. How many years have you been a parent coach? Eight. Oh, wow. This is awesome. This is so fun. Okay. Books you read in a year. A number of books you read in a year. Probably between 20 and 30. Mm. And what kind of reading do you do? A bit of everything. I love, well, parenting books I devour. Um, I like the kind of self-help psychology books. Mm -hmm. And I love a good novel. Love a good novel. What's your favorite book of all time, if you can pick one? Oh, there's so many. But right now it is a recent read, but it did bump a few to second, third, fourth spot, Where the Crawdads Sing by <gasps> Delia Owens. I just read that one too. So good, hey? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just, I absolutely loved it. I'm a biologist, so it had this whole other level for me too around that. Yeah, powerful story. Storytelling, hey? Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Well, it's interesting as a parent coach, you get to, yeah, really become a part of people's stories and hear, you know, so many different experiences, right? Yeah. yeah. I do. Very, very privileged. Yeah, it is an honor. It is an honor. Um, okay, so speaking of parenting, your parenting, this is a weird numbers question, but here we go. Number of times your heart has dropped through the floor while parenting. Oh, well, most of the times my heart's dropped like that. 
or my stomach has risen into my mouth mm. uh, have been created by my dear, beautiful 18-year-old daughter. <laughs> I would say the majority, the majority of them have been brought about by her uh, through no ill you know, through no ill intent by her, she follows her passion and she is a freestyle skier. And so she does those massive 80 foot jumps in the parks. She does the rails. It was a new Olympic sport, uh, probably eight, I think eight years ago, has it been in the Olympics twice now? It's that one where they throw themselves off those massive jumps, do flips and spins and things in the air and grab their skis. And then they ski on rails and boxes. So if any of you have seen it. Big metal my, hard things. Yeah. So that's what my daughter does. So she has caused more moments for my heart to sink or my stomach to rise. And it's, yeah, it's not easy standing on the side of a course where, you know, when you're watching the comps live, you can usually only see one jump because it's spread over quite a large area. So you're standing on the knoll of a jump beside the jump. And you see them take off, you see them land that one. But when they do the jump further down in the park, you see them take off. And the worst feeling in the world is when they take off and they're in the air and you can see they've missed it and that they are not their body positions all wrong. And you just see them throwing themselves off this jump where they carry a 60 to 80 foot gap. And then they're, they're about, I don't know how high in the air, probably 40 feet. And then they're landing, but you don't see the landing. So you see they're off axis badly. You know it's not going to end well, but you can't see the landing, which one thing's good, but you don't know what's happened. So you stand there and you're with people and everyone just goes quiet. Oh. And, then, and then you see the two judge, the judge uh, kind of officials, they run to the top of the takeoff and they stand with their arms crossed, which means not the next competitor can't go because they're picking up the pieces oh. where you can't see it. <laughs> oh, how many, how many fellow mother hearts right now are just like, oh. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. And it, you know, to sit and make it sound like it happens a lot. I don't see a lot of the competitions because she travels all over the world to comp compete. But I, um, when I do, it's not happened much, but it does. It leaves you feeling just sick to the pit of your stomach. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, those are the tough ones. And then also when when she is traveling, and my phone rings and I can see it's the coach. That's never a good thing, because oh. the coach doesn't call you unless she's taken a spill. Um, or worse still, you get the call from the hospital. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Uh, and yet you're still there supporting her passion. Oh yeah. That's all she wants to do, and it's all she, yeah. So that's where she's going, and we support her, and yeah. That's awesome. What's that expression about, um, you know, the most challenging thing about parenting, and I'm sure there's many of them, but uh, is kind of having your heart out there, living out in the world. It's like outside your body and out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Fun. Okay, last numbers question. Number of podcast episodes created to share with your community. This is 500. 500. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I've done it. And that's um, amazing. Mm -hmm. That's truly, truly amazing. Um, so much respect, Louise. So much respect for that. That's an incredible, um, yeah, incredible devotion and incredible act of generosity as well to just share your wisdom. That's amazing. 
What's your favorite thing about doing the podcast? Knowing I am touching the lives in a positive way of so many people all around the world. It is quite an incredible feeling. And that's really what drives my commitment to it. Because, you know, to get to 500 episodes, I've only been doing it for two and a half years. So, you know, I set out with a, a huge goal and I achieved it and it, it motivates me to do more. And when I get lovely emails from people saying how much it helps them, it, um, you know, that's, that's really why I do it, to be of service. Because for me, the giving is the receiving. Mm. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Do you often get notes from um, listeners back? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. You know, not not every day, but I do get um, I do get positive comments every now yeah. and again, which makes my day. And then nice reviews on iTunes are always nice to see. So yeah, but I mean that's not why I do it. But it's always nice to to get a bit of validation there. Yeah, no, for sure to be reaching. You know, while we're on that note, there was a really good question that came in around, um, you know, just saying that you get this feedback, right? That's really positive and affirms you and really supports you and what you're doing and why you're doing it. But we also, uh, someone asked about how do you deal with the Facebook trolls? You know, and that made me think about, you know, Facebook trolls and challenges as entrepreneurs and doing things out there in the world. But uh, for all of us, just more generally as a parent, how do you deal with the not so positive feedback, like either the unkind, unsolicited or unhelpful opinions or advice that you've gotten over the years? I, it's an interesting thing because I, 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 I'd learned from actually Dr. Shafali Sabari, who's the author of The Conscious Parent, The Awakened Family, and she's a new book out called A Radical Awakening, which will be phenomenal. Oprah has just uh, introduced it to the world and was awestruck she she, she was actually like I, I I don't know how I can describe this book anyway Dr Shafali really helped me come to this place of understanding where if you choose to do this type of work and you choose to put yourself out there you have to put yourself out there for all of it you can't just take the positive if you put yourself out there, you have to know you're going to get the negative. And it's a very interesting place to find yourself. And I remember when we were talking uh, with her and someone was saying, but you know, I really don't want to get divorced. I sound like I'm sidetracking here, but she said, I don't want to get divorced. And she said to her, well, why did you get married? And there was just this silence because she said, here's the deal. If you enter a marriage, what comes with marriage is the possibility of a divorce. So if you really don't want to get divorced, don't get married. <laughs> and I, I laughed because that, that is true. helped me so much. Because if I really don't want the trolls, then don't go on Facebook. If I don't want to get negative uh, feedback, don't write an ebook and put it out in the world because you're going to get some people who like you and some people who don't. So you have to accept it all. So how do I deal with it? I truly do accept it all. Do I love it all? No, but I accept it all. And I also have learned over the years to just not take things personally. Mm, My kids' behavior, what? other people's behavior, because we know it's, it's a reflection of them. There's nothing I can do to control what they think of me. And some people will think 
negatively and some people will think positively and that's okay. So how do I deal with the trolls? I kill them with kindness because we all know those people that are negatively opinionated about someone else. We know, you know, Tannis, it's coming from their lack. It's coming from something in them that they are not comfortable with and their way of dealing it dealing with it is to defend themselves and, and you know, blame the other, criticize the other, judge, judge the other. So I actually have compassion for the people who are very rude. Yeah, yeah, which is a challenge. I mean, that's a beautiful capacity to have cultivated. Uh, and I think it's such, you know, this is, this is a big topic. Like it's a question that started around Facebook trolls, but really, you know, how do we ourselves and, you know, me as a leadership coach, this is huge. Just us all as humans navigating this orientation about how much um, attention do we give others' opinions of us? Uh, and yeah, we want to connect. How do we build that compassion that actually isn't this separating? Like, I love that you said that is actually to um, find those places of compassion and understanding for one another, because yeah, it can be this you know, one option is just to armor up, right? And really separate or to not do the things that there could be risk in one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, but the other is to go forward and find that way of that sense of self that you can have those come and to not take it personally. Yeah, yeah that's, that's some pretty good wisdom to drop across the board. And definitely, <laughs> I would imagine, um, kind of a core probably as well of um, challenges in parenting like how do we cultivate that not only in ourselves um, around our parenting because I think you know that's a space that I started my leadership coaching with women's of circles women um, new mothers and so saw a lot of that incredible insecurity when we're doing something new but something we care about deeply how vulnerable that is and how many people have opinions um, about it so absolutely I'm sure all the time yeah, and that is the foundation for being able to show up in the face of whatever your kids say or do, because you don't know what they're going to say or do. But if we can enter the moment with curiosity, rather than taking it personally, and be compassionate to the other, um, and be kind, even if you don't like what you're getting back, that is a much better place to enter the playing field than to enter it with more lack, more judgment, more criticism. Now, I sound like I do this all the time, Tannis. I can't do it all the time. I'm a human being. I'm a normal mom, just like you, just like everyone listening. And my kids are normal kids. So there's times where I, I don't get it right. But that's what that's my goal, you know, is to to try and be compassionate, not take it personally, because it, it puts me in a better position to to meet their needs. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 And here's to just continuing to show up as parents. Hey, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so speaking of curiosity, I love that you talk about curiosity and you, you, you mentioned that at the beginning, I'm a deeply curious person. And one of my very favorite questions to um, ask people to really get to know them and what they're all about is this one. So I'm going to throw it your way. Um, this is not as light as some of the other ones, but I'm really curious about Louise. Uh, what breaks your heart? When I ask you what breaks your heart, uh, what comes up for you? Ooh. Um, okay, let me think about that. Vandalism breaks my heart. Bullying breaks my heart. 
leaving when kids are left out and when kids are mean to each other, it breaks my heart. When animals or birds are in pain or injured, I, I, I find it very difficult. I just, you know, that, mm. uh, yeah, don't need to say any more. Um, kids with life-threatening injuries or, or illnesses breaks my heart. And here's a more lighthearted one, but it comes back to nature. When I see people walking across flower beds and stepping on flowers. <laughs> you know, I was I saw the most beautiful, there's one thing that social media can sometimes be good for. Um, I saw this little meme about um, lots of people love flowers. Some people cut them, some people plant them. And I thought that was really interesting for yeah. us to think about, right? And so I just love that that came to mind for me with you, just like breaking your heart to see these flowers, these incredible blooms. Just yeah, you know, you know, when you see people walking on a path and then that you can see where you want to get to and kids do it. My kids have done it. And I'm like, excuse me, come off that flower bed now. But <laughs> they'll, they'll take the shortcut and they'll wander through the daffodils. And I mean, and I'm it really upsets me. So anyone listening, don't walk on a flower, okay? <laughs> <laughs> don't walk on a flower. And I love your incredible care that obviously showed up in a bunch of those answers around um, children, right? And their experiences and being able to really flourish in life. Flourishing, yeah, mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, well, let's continue down that road a little bit. There were a whole bunch of questions that came in around kind of, you know, why you do what you do and what some of your influences have been. And you spoke a little bit about your own, um, your own upbringing and about around Dr. Shafali as well. Um, I'm always curious, you know, when people move into, when um, we move into work that matters to us, I find sometimes it comes from one of two places and sometimes both. So I'm curious for you. Sometimes it's around, um, we've just been brought to our knees in one way or another, whether it's kind of in moments or in bigger ways in our life and just really want to do everything we can to support others so they don't have to experience that. Or um, it can come from something that you had um, that has made all the difference for you and you want to provide that for others. When I share those two kind of roots, what comes up for you around kind of becoming a parent coach and what brought you there? The, the second one, I mean, I, to say I've been brought to my knees as a parent, I've been brought to my knees, but trust me, I've been brought down a few times. You know, we all have. Uh, I'd be lying to say I, I hadn't, uh, but that was not what actually really drove me to do what I do. It was being part of a community, uh, which, you know, if you listen to the show, you'll know this about me, but I had the opportunity to join a parenting group where my husband and I did when our eldest was four. So we're now in 16 years where we've had eight couples meet 10 times a year for two hours of meeting. And we're in year 16 with the same parent coach. So um, that coach had a massive influence on me and on my husband and on how we parent and the commitment to our parenting and the whole being held accountable to it. Uh, so that's really what brought me to this um, down this path. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And you know that I believe wholeheartedly in the power of community. And I think it's really interesting that the things that we are willing to, um, like, I just love that 16 years, 
right? Of those community, that community, that circle of parents together and that coach, that depth of learning um, and kind of that community of practice together, I think is amazing. And I know that that um, is powerful in terms of the impact uh, in, in what happens there. What I'm um, also kind of in awe around is um, just that devotion over time to something that, um, you know, and I'm curious about your original decision when your eldest was four, did you say four or six when you started? Four, four. four. When your eldest was four and you decided to go ahead with that, there's this whole thing that like, well, parenting is somehow just supposed to be natural and we should just know how to do it. And um, if you don't, you know, like that's not something that you go and study and learn and get support on. So you making that decision at that time, you know, what, what was that for you? Had yeah. you seen others do that? And so it was made no. sense to you or what? No, I, I hadn't seen anyone do it. Literally the phone rang one day, I picked up the phone and this, this friend of mine, he basically said, listen, I don't have much time. Glad I caught you. I'm trying to put together a parenting group. And I'm like, what? A parenting group? Okay. He goes, yep, I've got a coach. I've got, I want to get eight couples. I'd like you inside to be part of it. I'm like, well, I need to know more info. He goes, no, you just need to tell me if you're in or you're out. And I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, go for it. And my husband came home. I said, by the way, I've just signed us up for some parent coaching. And he goes, what? I said, well, I don't know, but Dave's in it. He's organizing it. And, you know, there's this couple and that couple and we can go for a whole year. And he goes, a year? <laughs> and I said yeah a year little did we know it was going to be 16 and you know people that hear me say that are probably thinking you really don't get it yet and you know I think it brings up a an interesting point I'm like I don't think we get it all ever I think it's this it's a pro, it's a process it's a journey I don't know what my kids are going to do tomorrow so tomorrow's a new day and it will be a new experience and I might not have dealt with it before so we can, I, I believe that if we have community to support us and we're in a group with like-minded individuals who want to raise their bar, place to share, place to feel like you're not alone, it's been an amazing thing to be part of. So it really was a very random phone call, phone call that kind of came from left field that I just said, whatever, probably a bit like when we said, let's just move to Canada. <laughs> sliding door moments sliding door moments. yeah um, and I'll take those and you know people will say but what happened what if you don't like it I'm like well if we don't like it we'll move on mm -hmm. but if I don't try it I'm never going to know yeah that willingness to try that willingness to try and I think that's important there's also something that like I'm curious obviously you ran into this lots with um, people exploring and coming to you for parent um, parenting, coaching, and support, and to join in that community, which I just think is so brilliant, that sense of that, you know, just not being alone in it, because that's um, such a big piece of parenting, you know, it is always new every day, and what we're going to experience, and that we as individuals of parents are different, and our children are all unique and different, um, so it is just this, you know, continued unfolding of uncertainty, and how do we navigate this, it's such a gift uh, to not be alone in it because, you know, my guess and not just my guess, but I know it with all the people I speak with, it can be so incredibly lonely mm. navigating our parenting journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And especially too, I think also such um, challenges in couples, 
right? With yeah. they come from different influences, ways they've been parented, different philosophies. And I don't know, when you start dating, <laughs> you don't necessarily have the conversation about what your parenting approach or style is going to be. And I can tell you, even if my husband and I did 25 years ago, what I said I would have done in parenting is very different than what I ended up wanting to do. Yeah, absolutely. Fun and games, fun and games. So, hey, um, question, another question that came in, uh, which I think is really interesting, this idea of, you know, kid, like all different ages and they're constantly growing and changing and what you come across. Uh, and someone asked whether you had older children um, and what it's like parenting as an adult um, or parenting adults. And I just wanted to, you know, expand that more generally around this idea of, you know, parenting children at different ages. Um, what's actually different at the different ages and, and what, if anything, is, is actually universal in parenting across the board? Well, the, the age and stage is different, but it all comes down to how we show up in the face of that age and stage. So when you, so it, it really is all about us. So is there anything different? The Darn it all. Yeah. It, all. <laughs> it always comes back to us. So is there anything different? Yes, the age and stage behavior is different, you know, between toddler to pr primary school to elementary to high school to university. But the, you know, so the behaviors are different and what they do is different. But regardless of what they do, we still have to control ourselves. We still have to self-regulate. We still have to show up in the face of it all. So it's different, but it really is no different. We, if we still, we still have to do the same things in order to get it right. And when we do those things, it doesn't matter whether they're arguing over a sippy cup that they've got out of bed for the 25th time that night, whether they have spray painted a fence, whether they come home stoned, whether they fail a university co course, it's how we show up in the face of that. Mm. That's basically what it comes down to. So all the work I do with parents is like, okay, he came home stoned, he, she did this, he did that. You argue, arguing over sippy cups, they're fighting with, amongst each other. It comes down to how do you respond? And if we hope to respond in any way that's going to shape their behavior positively and help them learn the lesson or the life skill, it comes down with, to us role modeling the exact behavior we want them to take on for themselves. Mm. Yeah, just that, just that. That's all, that's all, piece of cake. <laughs> that's all. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. So speaking of piece of cake, so for you personally, as a parent, as a mother, um, you know, some were curious about, you know, what's been the hardest for you, like whether moments or stages or, you know, if there's a theme, you know, because it's our stuff, you're saying it's our stuff. So what do you struggle most when you are in the face of? Well, any hard moment for me, and I think any hard moment period is, you know, we look at, again, we're looking at that, their behavior as the hard moment, but it's actually what that behavior instills in us, which is fear. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the hard moments would be, you know, I'm thinking of an example here. I, I think of one now. I remember my, my eldest has ADHD. And I remember when he was in primary school, he was in grade two or three, and he'd done this project and he'd managed to do it on time and had to take it to school. And he left it on the dining table. 
And I remember, and there'd been a pattern of this. This wasn't the first time. A pattern of him leaving his snack, leaving his clothes, leaving this, leaving that, you know, very, very um, uh, in line with ADHD. And so there comes a point where you have to let them leave their lunch, leave the project on the dining room table. I remember having to, it was on the table. And I said, have you got everything? He said, yep. And I said, okay, bye. And I had to let him go and with the project on the dining table. And that's hard, but it's dealing with our fear. Like if, if I am so scared that I can't face it, as in I, I can't cope with the thought of him maybe failing, the fear mm -hmm. of him failing and not getting a grade because he left it on the table. But I have to deal with that fear because if he doesn't learn to actually get it all together without me, he's never going to learn because I'm not going to be there all the time to say, take that, don't take that, remember this, remember that. They have to learn. So letting them fail is a, a really hard thing to do. But it's if we look at what's driving it, it's, you know, our fear that's driving that, you know, or, or letting them sleep in when they've decided, no, we've all decided they're going to wake themselves up. They're going to set their alarm clocks. They're going to get out of bed. You know, I don't do it cold turkey. But again, I remember that morning where he didn't come down and I'm like, oh, oh shit, here it is. <laughs> and, you know, at 930, come, he came downstairs and started making a cereal and he's chatting like, la di da di da And then he looked and he went, oh, I said, what is it? And he goes, it's half past nine. And I said, yeah. And he goes, mom, I missed her. I've missed the bell. I said, yeah, too right. You've missed the bell. But, you know, if you don't let them do that, then how are they ever going to learn to wake up for themselves? So I think dealing with those hard moments is difficult. Seeing your kids really upset and sitting in the sadness, sitting in the uncertainty, sitting in the discomfort and not fixing it in the moment. Because oh, if we I love just that. try and fix yeah. it in the moment, we don't, we don't let them feel the feeling. And if we don't let them feel the feeling, they don't learn to to fuel their feelings, to cope with emotions, to all of that. So yeah, I think those are the those are the hardest things. Oh, that's huge. That's huge, Louise, that piece around. I actually just got a note from one of my daughters um, lost her pet hamster this weekend. And so there were lots of tears around that. And yeah, what a gift it is that we actually allow our kids to feel all of their feelings. And when it's uncomfortable for us, we want to fix it. Yeah. Right? Um, and instead, worry. yeah, building the capacity in ourselves so that they can also build the capacity to feel all the feels and they won't need to numb those out. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of fear of failure, someone in your community was very curious to <laughs> hear <laughs> about some of your parenting fails you said you haven't gotten it all right um they want you to spill the beans uh what are what are a few that you remember that were really difficult fails for you oh, my fails if we want to call it that i'm putting it in air quotes <laughs> yeah yeah air quotes um oh there's been loads of fails you guys loads but i would say my my top two i'll just put it at two but that's not saying there's only two please there's loads um I'd say number one would be losing my youngest son at the fair. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. He got separated from me and, um, you know, was, was it my fault? No, but was it my fault? Yeah. Um, 
so he got separated from me at the fair and that wasn't that wasn't great you know I found him 10 minutes later with the cops eating a lollipop quite happy because he got a candy um but it definitely sure he was upset so losing him at the fair was not good and my other really good ones Tanis are and everybody are I have let two out of three of my kids go to bed with fractures Mm. and you know they're my kids are quite tough uh my daughter particularly and so when they say something sore I'm like okay and both of them uh, sky's broken multiple things but I remember the first first fracture um her arm her wrist I I said you know we'll see what it's like in the morning and so she got up she goes it's quite <laughs> sore mom I'm like okay well We'll, do, we'll go and have an x-ray and you know they're saying it can't be broken when did it happen I'm like yesterday and they're like you didn't come in I said well no I didn't come in so that was one and then my son did the same thing and you know a day later we went down to the clinic because he said mum it's fine it's not that bad it's not that sore mum I'm like okay and um we went to the doctor and the doctor said well I don't think it's fractured because usually you're crying and it's really sore and and he kind of felt around and my son went, yeah. That's and, and you were like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, both of them had clean breaks. So they were both in plasters for however long it is. So yeah, those are probably failed. I love that those are like, you know, some of us are like, oh, well, yeah, no, it's hard to know as a parent, but you're the physiotherapist. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I, I knew you'd point that out again. <laughs> so those are probably two, those are two, probably two of my, my, my best fails. Oh, oh, we all have a good collection of them, eh? We all have a good yeah. collection. The little the little stuff and then the actual heartbreaking stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's do another fun speed round. Do, just to do a little more, a little more mixing it up. So this speed round is going to be multiple choice, Louise. Okay. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> go for it. When in doubt, choose C. <laughs> all right, here we go. Chocolate. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Oh, good question. I like both. <laughs> if I could only have one, it would be dark. All of the above. All the chocolates. Oh, dark chocolate. Okay, I had coffee or tea here, but we've already heard that. You are a tea drinker. Mm-hmm. How about um, red wine or white wine? Or or maybe tequila? Or or champagne. Oh, a bubbly gal. See, I you and I hadn't girl. discovered this about each other, but no. I one. love bubbly and <laughs> I love gin and tonic, provided it's the Isle of Harris gin, which is a new gin I find, which is absolutely delicious. And I'm rather partial to a margarita, but it has to be made with tonic water. Oh my goodness. We're going to have to move on from our morning walks, Louise. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're going to have to take this friendship to happy hour. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. Okay, Netflix or a good book? A good book. Mm. Actually, no, you know what? I'll change my mind on that and say Netflix because I have started watching TV again, which I really didn't watch TV for years. Um, I think when I moved from the UK to here, I, sorry, everybody in North America, but the TV was not as good back then as it, as it is now. And the UK TV is, is world known. Um, so I was not so into a lot of the shows here for years, but I have just discovered a few very good shows on Netflix. So right now I would actually say Netflix, but generally I would say probably a book. Both and all of the above. So what's your favorite recent Netflix series for those of us who are looking for another, uh, 
another broad, broad church it's it's, mm. a, it's an old uh, uk and i say old i think it was 2013 to 2017 it's a crime uh, drama and I, it's probably the best thing i've ever watched in my life and i i was a down i watched downton abbey i loved that um and yeah so i would say broad church really really enjoying broad um, church yeah uh, i love it okay sweet or savory savory oh and how about would you rather cook at home or get takeout cook at home mm. who cooks in your house everyone you i okay. do i do my husband is not a chef at all um and my my kids like cooking my daughter in particular she loves cooking and she is always looking at recipes and she cooks up some amazing dinners so yeah oh, but I, I do most of the cooking but they do a bit I we allocate nights where they cook so yeah well done well done yeah that's a that's a good parenting win when you get the kids cooking early mm -hmm. yep okay since we're in Whistler and since we already talked about skiing cross-country skiing or downhill skiing downhill skiing but only because I've just taken to cross-country skiing and so I am still learning so I would probably still pick downhill but I really enjoy the, the skate skiing oh fantastic that's awesome I love that you're uh, diving into something new there yeah and it's <laughs> so humbling I've played you name the sport I've played it I lived for sport when I was growing up it's probably it was it is my favorite thing to do and it's one of the few things I haven't done. So, and it's been very humbling. So it's been good to learn something new. I'm, I'm, I'm rising to the occasion, shall we say. Well, that's good. I think it's always good for us as coaches to continue to learn something new and be humbled by it. I think it keeps it um, fresh for us when we spend a lot of time in our zone of expertise and mastery to be reminded of what it's like to be a beginner again. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, just about to wrap up here, but there were a couple interesting questions that came in under the area of guilt. Um, and how it had to come up, didn't it? It had to come I up. Know. I know. Yeah. Talking about parenting, talking to mothers, let's bring up guilt. So I was like, all right, let's hit guilt. But there's so two questions about guilt. The first is, how do you cope or do you experience? I will add that in. But the question was, how do you cope with mom guilt? Guilt's an interesting one for me because generally speaking, I'm, I don't feel too guilty about much of what I've done as a mom. Yes, there's, there's, there's a few things here and there that I feel guilty for, but I clearly don't sit in the guilt for long. Mm. And so it's like, what do I do? You know, it's a good question. You know, what do I do? Because sure, there's things you say, there's things you do, and it's human nature to feel guilty for it. You know, feeling guilty about something is always about an action, right? Whereas shame is, is about us. Like I'm a bad mom is the shame, but I, I said something bad with the action. I did something bad. That's the guilt, right? So mm -hmm. I'm, I, I now with a bit of age, I cut myself a lot more slack and I am definitely more self-compassionate and I turn it around pretty quickly because I say to myself, you, you never, you know, that was not the right thing to say. And I make amends. I, I apologize. I, I forgive myself and I am pretty quick to move on. Once I've done something and I've apologized and, and I have said, you know what, you didn't do it on purpose, cut yourself some slack 
because I didn't used to be. I used to be very hard on myself. Mm. Um, so I'm a bit easier on myself. And I think that I, now I, I, don't, I actually don't even feel too guilty uh, about too many things now. Yeah, just moving through. I love that compassion's come up a couple of times in this conversation, sort of that compassion for others and compassion for self. And I think yeah. in my experience, um, that's how it builds when we have it for ourselves and others, then we can have more for ourselves and more for others. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so here's your number two guilt question. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody would like to know, Louise, what is your guiltiest pleasure? You know, it's interesting because I, I saw that question and I actually know who it's from. I've, I, and um, I, I, a really good question. And so it came in about five days ago and I've been thinking about it. I even said to my husband, what would my guiltiest pleasure be? Because and I think the, the, the thing that's hard for me here is I don't actually feel guilty about too many things, probably because. Well, there's obviously not too many things I would feel guilty for. I'm not someone who goes and eats a tub of ice cream. So I wouldn't, I don't feel guilty about when I have ice cream, I only want a little bit. So I don't feel guilty about it. Um, so I was, I really had to think long and hard about this. And actually, believe it or not, Tanis, it came to me. <laughs> and it's a funny one that make people laugh. It came to me as I was driving home from our walk earlier this morning. And I was like, guilty pleasure. I know she's going to ask me that. And, and I went, I, I know what it is. And here I'm really revealing all here. <laughs> my guilty pleasure is, and I really don't do it very often. And when I do it, I'm very, very calculated because it's a naughty one. It's bad. I'm very, very calculated with it. So I do it in the safest way possible. But... I will back it up by saying I'm dying I, of curiosity here. <laughs> I love cars. I love cars and I love driving and I love driving sticks. I hate these manual, these automatic cars. I've never driven one in my life until I came to Canada. So I really don't like them. So we always have a stick. My guilty pleasure, driving fast. <laughs> I like driving fast and, and and it was one thing and it's actually one thing I would have really liked to have done. I'd have liked to have been a rally car driver or a race car driver. And I only had one, my dad, um, you know, he, he, he's a big car fanatic. And so always when I was, when I was tiny, if, and I mean like age four and five, if my parents asked me to identify any car on the road, I basically could give them the model and the, the, the make kind of thing. So I've always loved cars. And when I lived in London, I got the opportunity to go to one of those uh, uh, go-kart meeting things. And it was to be <laughs> okay. part of a, a girls team. So imagine there was the, all this, all the, there were 20 teams and there was one female team which I was on, and we arrive at this go-karting place, which is like a professional go-karting center. And so we're, we're, we're told what to do. We all get in our cars and we, we're driving, driving, driving. And three hours later, the thing finished and all the awards came out. And there were, there were professional rally car drivers there. There was a couple of guys dressed in all the gear. And we were in our work clothes, just come from work. Yeah, I'm in like my physio uniform and jump in the car and drive. Anyway, they, they say on the, 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 this team won and this the, giving out all the prizes. And they said, and the fastest lap of the night goes to 
Louise White. That was my maiden name. And I, everyone <laughs> looks at me and I'm like, woo! Yeah, I Louise. I got the fastest lap. And so one of the uh, guys, one of the professional guys came over and he, he kind of said, congratulations. He was kind of a bit put out, I think. And he said, congratulations. And I said, oh, you know, never done it before. But yeah, it was fun. And he goes, yeah, you probably, you know, were at an advantage because you're light, lightweight. And I said, no, no, no. It was all about the lines I took through the bends. And I looked at him, I said, <laughs> I'm really sorry I beat you. <laughs> So I would say my guilty pleasure would be driving fast. And if I can, I will drive a little bit fast, but I wouldn't have the kids in the car and I'd make sure there's, you know, it was on a section of road that wasn't through a school, through school zones or in the city. But that would be my guilty pleasure. I love cars and I love drive. I quite like driving fast if I can. I love that you've uncovered it um, and shared that with us. That's just fantastic. And I'm going to keep an eye out for you on the road. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the other reason that you end up moving to um, Vancouver Whistler is getting to drive the Sea to Sky Highway, which is one of the most famous highways in the world. Uh, and it's definitely a highway for those who love to drive. Yeah, so it is. You, have found, you have found your place in the world indeed. Yes. Yep. So uh, as we are wrapping up this little fun expose episode um, here on your 500th podcast, Louise, are there any final words that you'd like to share with us? I don't think I have any other than to thank you, Tanis, because I have really enjoyed this conversation. I didn't know what was coming and it has been, other than the guilty pleasure, I knew that and I saw some of the questions. <laughs> Um, but I really enjoyed the conversation and I, I hope that those of you listening, the thousands of you that tune in every, every episode, then I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. And Tanis, thank you for, I knew you would, I just knew you would offer me the opportunity to go a bit deeper and give the, read the readers, the listeners something that hopefully you've enjoyed listening to. So thank you and thank you to, for, to everyone who's listened, who's supported me and who's allowed me to give. Oh, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. Well, uh, let me speak on behalf of all of us, Louise, in offering congratulations and celebrating you. It's actually a really big deal. Um, and it's just uh, a gift to be able to, you know, just tap in a little bit to the whole story of you, you as a woman who is doing this uh, incredible work in the world and everything that's led you here to doing this um, important and very generous work. Uh, you know, I don't know, they say, who's they? <laughs> I'm gonna say, I don't think there's any job more important than raising our children in terms of building a better world. So I would adventure to say that there's little more important work than the work you do in supporting parents and families to do that toughest and most important job in the world. So thank you for your ongoing devotion, Louise, um, to your clients and to this community uh, and especially celebrating your generosity and just sharing your wisdom over these 500 podcast episodes so far with us and with many more to come. Best wishes to you. And thanks for having me. This has been super, super fun. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody. And just before I go, I do want to let you know that the doors are open for my new or next group coaching cohort, which will start on Monday, the 12th of April. I will be running that six week group coaching program again. So if you're interested in joining me on Mondays at noon and Thursdays at 430, 
all Pacific time for six weeks, starting, as I said, Monday, the 12th of April, then email me at louise at yourparentingpartner.com or hop into the show notes and you will be able to see a link to the sign up page for that. And um, also know that if you can't make the live um, uh, sessions, then they're all recorded and you'll get sent recordings for it. And also, if you are curious as to find out more about Tanis and her brilliant question, question asking capacity and skill and light and, and coaching, then I will attach her, uh, the web, her website details in the show notes as well. So Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate everybody. Thank you, Tanis. And I look forward to being with you all soon. Bye for now. That's it for today's episode on the Parenting in the Thick of It show. If you enjoyed the show, please do share it with your friends and family. And remember, if you find yourself stuck in the thick of it and can't see a way out of it, please send me an email. I would love to help you. My email is louise at yourparentingpartner.com. And don't forget to take a look at the Parenting in the Thick of It family organizer that I created. It's an evergreen family calendar guaranteeing 12 months of use from whenever you start. It also includes beautifully illustrated, informative and interactive monthly parenting theme pages to guide you through the year. It's the perfect organizer for busy families to keep track of all their activities, plus help parents be the best parent they can be. It's more than just a calendar. You can find the link for this and the other social media platforms that I am on below the description in this episode. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to being with you all soon. Bye for now.